Yo, yo, yo. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, as always, Kane Sims, and I'm going to get a video done for that intro next time. Uh, it's going to be uh, nice and highlighty with lots of clips of our previous guests, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, good tune, good tune. Uh, happy Tuesday, and uh, yeah, wanna, before we do kick off with an excellent conversation today with uh, Mudu Sudakar, who is the uh, CEO of AICRA. One of Gartner's uh, Magic Quadrant featuring conversational AI platforms, a niche player in that. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into the conversation with Mudu uh, coming right up. But before we do that, I want to tell you about the event that we have coming up in October in Arlington, Virginia. In the US of A, we'll be coming across the pond, VUX World, on tour. We'll be doing a conference at the Voice Summit. It's going to be VUX at Voice 22. We're going to be talking about the end-to-end automation journey for call centers. And so if you are interested in how to apply AI technology in your call center, conversational AI, natural language processing, then this day on the 11th of October is going to walk you through the step-by-step process of just how to do that. It's presented by Core AI, and we're going to have a whole bunch of unbelievable speakers there. Lots of enterprises talking about case studies, lots of technology companies showing you the path forward. It's going to be absolutely amazing. The agenda and all the details will be in the show notes. Please do check it out. VUX at Voice 22. Looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm also looking forward to this conversation today with Mudu Sudakar from AICRA. Uh, Mudu, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Sure. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Ken. Uh, thank you for having me. I like your show. You should call it AI World. Works AI World, right? Yeah. Voice user experience with AI. I yeah. call it AIX World. I really like what you do uh, for nice the audience. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been thinking about a rebrand because uh, naming it VUX was a little bit short-sighted. Uh, <laughs> and it is, uh, I, can't, I kind of call it VUX now because then it kind of like passes off as its own sort of term, which doesn't have to necessarily mean VUX. Um, but yeah, I think something to do with AI, CX, that's predominantly what we talk about these days is how the AI technology, natural language processing technology is enabling businesses to improve what they do operationally and provide better customer experience experiences and so maybe a rebrand might be uh might be on the cards uh but one company that doesn't have to rebrand because it's making a hell of a lot of uh, room in the market and name for itself is ai sira uh have been doing some very impressive stuff you know been uh, on a on a mission as of late uh implementing this kind of stuff in the enterprise so i'm excited to have you along and congrats on the good work you've been doing as well Thank you. It's, it's actually a privilege to be part of your show. We, I always watch all your podcasts and what you've been doing to the community of AI, contact center, conversation AI. I think we need more of you. Uh, keep doing this. We love these shows and keep doing that and educate the audience because AI is here to stay. It's part of our world for the next 20, 20 30 years. Mm, absolutely thank you yeah i appreciate that if only i could clone myself that's kind of what i've been trying to dream about really. <laughs> <laughs> i'm that's sure you create an ai avatar kane avatar yeah that's a good idea we had danny Tomset from uh unique digital humans on yesterday and uh we were talking about digital humans so that's maybe the next step is is to create uh yeah an ai avatar of uh of myself we'll see who knows <laughs> who knows but uh no definitely definitely excited to get into the conversation so tell tell everybody uh who's tuning in a little bit about yourself Mudo. you've got a lot of experience in the startup world you've got a lot of experience working with large organizations at a senior level you know splunk uh service now you know you've invested in a bunch of companies as well what led you to ai sierra so thank you for having me on the show. Look, it's a journey, right? So as I said, uh, I've been doing both working at large companies, startup companies. Uh, we started ICRA, I think, back in 2017, me and my co-founder, Christos. Um, again, if you're concerned, when I was at ServiceNow, the, when you're talking to at ServiceNow, talking to customers, you have a front row seat on what's happening. Remember, this is pre-pandemic. Um, I mean, AI was there, but it's AI and machine learning was still nascent. It was going on. I, think, I would say most of the AI things really to happen was the cloud. Cloud is the reason how AI has happened, right? So if you look at um, machine learning, neural networks were there back in 80s, 90s. What really changed the game is the invention of cloud. Uh, with both Amazon and Microsoft leading the charge with the cloud. Without the cloud, AI machine learning algorithms won't be where we are today. 
and then come 2017 as I meet with um, customers, particularly being at ServiceNow, you're meeting, going to meet a lot of call center, contact center people, right? Anybody who's running your service desk, help desk, uh, customer support. And one thing that was obvious is these people are really needed tools and solutions to automate mundane tasks. They don't mind helping you, Ken, if you have like a complex problem. Like if you and me have some audio problems, setup issues, I have some uh, basic things like my account is logged out or uh, I can't log in or I want to fix my network issues, Wi-Fi issues, or it could be my customer, my subscription, I want to add my family member, I want my money back. I mean, most mundane tasks, I don't think humans want to be get involved to do it, right? Uh, after all, in the first one month, two months, three months will be okay because as a humans, we are designed to grow, evolve. There's a reason evolution in the world, history, humans have evolved. So we can't expect our all the employees, all the um, all the people who are doing in the call center, contact center people saying, hey, you come to work, do the same mundane task repeatedly like a robot for 20 times a day or take 50 times a day. It's just not fair. And that's actually the reason how we started this whole journey and said, look, something has to change. And back then I talked to a gentleman by the name Ram Shiram. As you know, Ram funded Google and he sits on Google's board and Ram had the same vision. And he said, uh, we can't do the, we got to take a chance in the world to make it a bet on these type of technologies. Some may happen, some may not happen. And you may write, have to write the technology curve. And with that inception, we said, look, is AI fully there? It may have its own technology curves. Back then when we started, there was no unsupervised. It was all guided flows. When people talk about conversation AI, even Gartner for them, current AI is not AI. I mean, that's why they call it conversation platform. They call it NLP separately, AI separate to me. You don't want to differentiate like that. And the other day, the customers don't care with NLU, NLP, AI, machine learning, like just something automated, right? So this whole evolution of how we're dissecting it, um, uh, et cetera, we thought, look, we got to change everything. Um, and we took a bold bet on how can we do a new AI solution that doesn't require too much of human intervention. It has to be simple to use. It has to be natural. But it, at the core, it has to have an unsupervised approach. It's like think of your driverless cars, either from Google or Tesla. If you have to keep on training the car when you buy it, you're not going to use it too much. It, it, the car may learn from your habits. That's different. That I call the behavior. That's like personalization, right? So there are aspects of where you need the training and learning and they want to use a car. I don't need your data sets. I don't want to, right? It's like when you buy an Apple phone, you don't want Siri to say, come and sit and train with me to use it. You don't want to buy Apple phone then, right? So I think this notion, some of these things, the industry still has to um, uh, has to handle it and particularly uh, as we customers industry. But I think we are at a point, there are technologies already there. It's going to get better. So that's kind of the reason why we started, look, can we do it? Can we change the life of humans, which is customer facing people and users? Can we change the life of the agents also? Because they want to get out of poverty. Like whether you like it or not, people in the contact center, they don't get paid much. I mean, they, they, their lives matter too. We need to move them up in the food chain, right? So I, I think a whole lot went in our discussion process, how we wanted to evolve this. And then I talked to Maynard Webb. Maynard sits on Salesforce board and he said the same thing. Uh, look, all these gen people, the industry executives like the Ram Shiram, Maynard Webb, Dan Warmanovan, Paul Morage, Paul was my boss from VMware. All these guys said, look, let's make a bet on this world, how we can change, right? Make this AI to be used by this world to as best possible. And it's not going to be easy bet. It may take five to 10 years, right? So it's a long bet that we are making. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, I enjoy making bets. There's no guarantees we'll succeed. But at least we can control the destiny if you all work hard together. Mm, very good, very good. And I think the signs are showing that it, it's it's happening. You know, the the adoption of this technology is definitely growing. Um, and there's, there's lots of competition, mind. You know, I mean, the Gartner uh, Magic Quadrant I referenced at the beginning. There, you know, it was a, a lucky number of companies that were featured in it. Not lucky because they're all you know, good in their own right. And that's why, that's why they're there. But for every company that was in there, lots of companies are not there. And so I'm wondering whether you could maybe shed a, I mean, there's loads to unpack from what you've just said there, the future of jobs, what do you, what, you know, mundane tasks and what makes things, I mean, we'll get to all that kind of stuff in a minute, but I wonder whether you can first maybe share with the listeners what you think makes for a, a good kind of platform a good ai platform because as i said for everyone that was included in that magic quadrant report there's probably a hundred or two hundred that weren't 
So what do you think differentiates a company like AI Sierra from other technology platforms out there that are trying to do something similar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very good question. Look, for me, the way in which I see Ken is, look, uh, Gartner would obviously report, I would say all of them, they're like an another analyst firm as the company share. They probably have some information, but then the customers know more than the Gartner, right? They have the problems. First thing is you need to talk to the customers. They're experiencing the problem. Like you, you probably know how to use your platform as you're interviewing people, you know what your challenges are. To me, I always start with customers. The end users and the customers and their end users. What are their end users telling us? What are their problems? To me, that's much more important uh, than the news reporting organization like Gartner, right? To me, they're like, they're just conveying certain things, but what really matters to me is customers and end users. For them, what they're asking is, can you provide a, a, an engine, call it whatever engine, AI engine or NLP engine, NLU. I want a simple, easy to use. If Kane asks me a question, can I understand what Kane is saying to the best possible? Right in whatever language. So, and that approach of understanding your this thing, uh, request right. That is the most important one. That I call that AI. It's almost like the AI SQL layer, right? That's something is we've been pushing out, right? Remember how my Oracle came with a SQL layer, like AI SQL layer, like understanding what you do, understanding that the query and the request itself is an important one. The second thing, once you understand it, how do you serve that request? Right? That's where the unsupervised natural language understanding or AI is important. The early days of most customers is all about supervised. Right, Even now, 99% of all vendors that I know of, they do supervised approach. Like if you ask me this question, I'll do this. If you know exactly what the cane is going to ask and if you write all the steps of it, you're probably a god. You won't know all the combinations. There's a reason why Google invented search, right? So this notion that I will create a dialogue flow or I use a, a, a knowledge flow or a conversation flow and call it a conversation platform, that's not AI. I don't think people are getting that. So a lot of vendors may put it there. I tell customers, beware. I mean, this is where you have to be beware of as a buyer, what you're looking for. Next is, do you have language models for multiple languages, right? Uh, and you and me talked last time when we were doing the, your show, right? It should be, I need a language model for different English, it's different from Japanese, from Chinese, right? You need a specific uh, language models. Then the, in depending on the request that you ask, your request may be fully loaded request. Even in English, you may ask me a question that have multiple intents in it, multiple meanings, multiple things. So how do I pass that out? And that's where the AI uh, SQL layer kind of concept comes in, right? And then given all these things, do you understand the domain that you are asking in? Right? Is your request related to a casual request? Is it, are you in the health care space? Are you in the insurance space? Right? And you don't want one bot for each domain. Like there are people who will say, I'll do a good job of IT, or I'll do a good job for contact center, or I'll do something for airline industry, or I'll do something for insurance. Like you're going to, you're not going to wake up and say, use, I'll use different Apple phones, different Siri. You'll have one Siri to ask the question, whether you like it or not, Siri will answer at that point. You have to live with it. Right? So this yeah. concept of that universal bot, A bot, people are not still adopted, right? So to me, I look at a whole lot of things like this as a fundamental need in which how you want to do it. And finally, you want to wrap this around with a simple concept of lot of requests that you do may not have an intent, right? Like when you ask something, you may not have any meaning into it. it I call it intentless. Hmm. So that's where you need to have things like cognitive search, neural search, right? So this, we can't abandon some of those things as well. So the concept of search, knowledge graph, conversation AI, right? Neural search, all these things has to marry with intent, intentless. So the technology is changing so much. Uh, my only request to customers is first figure out what is the problem you want to solve. Who are your end users? What are your requirements are? Create some kind of a table and create a success criteria and then look for it. Because just looking at some Gartner report, that won't solve the problem. Hmm. It's interesting. It's it's really interesting um, how for a company who kind of like isn't, I suppose, experienced in this field, who has never used conversational AI before, but before, but knows there's a need for it. Part of the issue I've seen is that they don't really know how to define their requirements because they don't really know what they need yet. And when they first, when whatever it is that they go with first, and I'm sure you've seen this happen as well, I'm, I'm, I, I would wager that you've gone into client organizations where AI Sierra is replacing an existing technology 
And I would wager that the existing technology was put in place because the client didn't really know what they needed and they've just kind of gone with something and they got stuck. It didn't have what they needed in the end because as soon as they learn and develop, they get they, they back themselves into a corner sometimes. So how would an organization who is thinking about conversational AI thinks they want something for customer support or something like that, but they don't know anything about the platform. What what are some of the key ingredients that they would need? You've mentioned a couple of things there around, you know, not having a domain specific NLU, making sure that the, the platform uh, is unsupervised, uses unsupervised learning, things like that. But again, these are all concepts that you need to know what NLU is. You need to know what unsupervised learning is. Let's say that I don't know that stuff. And I just know that I think there's a value in conversational AI. How does an organization go about putting together its requirements based on your experience of working with clients? Yeah, no, I think very good question, by the way. Uh, I think there are two parts to this question, the manner which I said came. First is, look, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know, right? So obviously you need to hire a person, right? So this is an area where if, whether you're working with, let's say, a, a C-suite person, whether it's a CIO or VP of customer service or chief customer officer or chief revenue officer, whoever the person who are, chief contact center officer, he or she, what they have to do is first hire a person who you trust, right? And that person with some domain expertise and give them the full button to do it. What the C-level people should not do is, hey, I'm going to do like a simple litmus test. I want to do a a three-month project or a one-month project. Don't. This is a technology you need to go all in. You can't. So all in the sense, you you want to do at least one year back, right? This is what I would like to see the C-level people they don't do it that well in many areas is not making enough bets. Not all bets are going to happen. I don't mind they select me or many of uh, anybody similar to us, uh, other vendors, but make one bet with somebody. For Go for one year. A is at a point, you're not going to learn anything through a POC or proof of value or proof of concept. Anybody who's trying to show you case that also is misleading you. So I encourage or discourage people don't do a proof of concept. First, I an expert to run it create a sponsor, buyer, executive decision maker, empower that person, individual, then make a bet in some vendor. Pick a vendor like they should watch Kane show, whatever Kane is recommending, pick top three vendors there and pick one of them. Like to your point, the criteria should be, I would say, Kane's Vex world as a criteria, for example, <laughs> right? Listen to you, right? Listen to you, take your requirements. And seriously, if they just listen to your podcast and whichever you have, that's good enough for them at this point. That exude. And then make a bet. But only thing, the bet cannot be short time. Some people are making bets, but they are, some are, are this illusion that a POC or a three-month project, six months, I will not. No, you will not learn. Go all in for a year. Year is a good enough time. If you still don't see the value at that point, change the vendor. Right? It's like, it's we call it when you buy a house, it's location, location, location. For AI, it's all AI, AI, AI. That's it. I think that should be your tagline under AI, AI. Three AIs, that's it. All matters <laughs> is AI. If this AI doesn't work, go to the second AI. If that doesn't work, go to the third AI. Hopefully, uh, by three attempts, you found the right thing. If not, you have three strikes, you're out. Maybe then you should find another job. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, maybe you'll give you two chances. That's, but that each AI bet should be at least one year. Yeah, interesting. That's a really refreshing approach to that because the amount of consultancies and all that kind of stuff that sell proof of concepts as a way of trying to get the foot in the door and the amount of vendors that do the same as a way of trying to land and expand, get the foot in the door. It's, it's rife, you know, which is, it's really interesting to hear you say that that's not a good way to go by because the reality is that in a proof of concept, you don't generate enough data to build a good enough model anyway. You don't really refine the interactions to a level where they're really good enough to be put in front of customers at scale. And so there's no real other way to really find out other than really investing in building something properly. And that takes time. That's right. And uh, there's one more ad if I make in. I see that. I mean, this is again, I'm giving you with uh, true honesty, not, nothing to help ISRA or not, but I see this. I mean, I've been doing this thing now what, more than 25 years, both startup and this, and I see this mistake happen industry over industry. I try to do the same thing at cybersecurity. We did the same thing in the past for analytics industry, right? So one thing, other thing is don't, don't hire a consultant or don't talk to an expert. Like asking somebody an advice who is not fully vested in your company is no good. Like you get your for whatever is advice. So calling an analyst, calling somebody else, I mean, they're not going to, they're not in the project. Trust yourself. The best way to do it, look, Ken, if I have to give an advice, I usually don't, I'm not authorized to do it. I can't do it. I don't know it. But most people won't do that. 
everybody is ready to offer an advice. So hiring 10 consultants or even one consultant or analyst is a wrong approach to this world. They are not building it. They are not operators. Reading an article, reading on the site. So many CIOs make the mistake, look, let me go talk to some XYZ analyst or some expert. Sorry. That's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's my and, and they maybe use that to say, look, this report says that they maybe think that by doing that, they're doing the right thing for their company or they're trying to not do invest enough because nobody wants to make a bet that costs their company some money or their job. But unfortunately, good technology like this will need to make bets. Like look at whether Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, they make bets. Some bets will happen, some won't happen. If you are in the C-suite, you are required to make bets. You make 10 bets out of which only one will survive. But if you cannot do that, you shouldn't be in that role. You can't say, I want to play for safety. If you want to go to safety, give the CIO job to somebody else or give your CFO job to somebody else. <laughs> right? I mean, you're required to help your company to make bets huh? and your educated bets that you got to make. Right? Obviously, you won't do it. You do your analysis with your management team. But my advice to them is hire people who you trust and have them make some bets. Hmm. But the bet should be long enough bet. It's like if Elon Musk comes and says, I want to do SpaceX in three months POC, otherwise I'm shut down. It's not 10 years. It, at the end, it may come or may not come. Right? And mm-hmm. that's a beauty in which I see how companies like Microsoft done a great job. Look at Microsoft. It took a while for them to get teams working. But now they're rock and rolling it. Look at Zoom. They've done that better than you want, right? So all these companies are making bets in a space, whether like Zoom is getting into contact center, Microsoft is getting into contact center. They're going to change the life of contact center. Like you, in this show, you're talking about, so existing contact center guys, if I'm there, right, I'll be worried about them getting Microsoft and Zoom getting in the game. Mm. Right? It changes the experience. But that bets are, they're not making for three months, six months. They're going to go all in. Mm. Interesting. It is It is true. Um, you know, Microsoft <clears throat> Microsoft don't do things on a whim, do they? And, and Zoom communication is all they do, essentially. And so it's kind of like really interesting how this area would be a real kind of target for them. And if I look at Microsoft's announcement, obviously it's been released in kind of like general availability now, but when it was first announced in the press release a couple of months back, if you look at the features on that list of things that this contact center is going to do, I counted something like nine out of 14 features had the AI in it. And so if you look at like three years ago, AI and chatbots and voice assistants and all this kind of stuff was kind of like a a layer that was wrapped over the top of a contact center. You know, right, you, you right. maybe stick a chatbot against the live chat and you'd kind of slowly tweak it and, and like, you know, patch AI onto the call center. Whereas now the call centers today, Google's integration with UJet and partnership with UJet, Zoom uh, and, you know, Microsoft, these are contact center capabilities that are AI from the absolute core. And so I wonder whether you can shed a little bit of light on what you think in terms of enterprise technology architecture, would you, do you see AI now still as being a layer that's kind of like over the top? Or do you see that, you know, in order for businesses to get real value, this technology needs to become so fundamental to the business that it is a real core technology? Absolutely. Look, uh, I mean, no doubt. I think there's the famous world that software is eating the world. AI is eating mm-hmm. the world. If any CEO, any C-level, any board, if they're not thinking about AI, uh, we are wrong. They're all thinking. It's going to be here for us to say. So it has to be fundamental to your business. Whether you are in meat packing industry, whether in agriculture industry, whether in cosmetic industry, whether in high-tech insurance, they're using AI. Is the technology fully there today in many areas? May, maybe not. It won't be there, right? But you're going to ride the wave. It's like the same as how computing has changed for 40 years. AI is going to change, I don't know how many years. It's going to be a new era. Maybe we are in the game one of a 10 boxing round match, (laughs) right? (laughs) But it's going to have 10 more rounds to go or nine more rounds to go. And each round may take five to 10 years. So it's very early on. So if you're doing a software architecture, I always tell, let's create an architecture to your point. I think you asked the question about most people. And this is an area I get really excited. You got to create an architecture that is runs on any cloud. First of all, you do not want to run these services on your infrastructure on a local service. Many companies, this is one thing that I wish when we talk about it, you don't want to run a contact center on on-prem. Guess how many contacts are running on on-prem today? Right? It should be an audience. 90%, 80%. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, why would you run your contact center on-prem today? I mean, you're in 2022, right? I mean, that's something is like, if I'm a contact center leader, I would just change that. 
right? To that point, yeah, I would run that on the cloud to some, right? Then the question is, can you make that into also Kubernetes layer? I want that to be flexible. I want to be able to move things around. I want the resiliency. I want this to run in virtual cloud infrastructure. Then I want to run, make sure that my databases to store the data is a polyglot database. What do you mean by polyglot means? I don't want to tune to one type of data. Like for to store voice requests, I may need a different database. To show chat requests, I might need something else. If I need the requests are not coming from humans, what if tomorrow you have to think the request could come from machines, right? If I'm running, if the machine is down, machine will be sending me an alert. It's not chat. It's trying to chat with us. So I call that one incident driven. It's not the request user driven, right? Incidents could mm -hmm. come from your devices, all of those things, right? Notifications, right? So you need a different data store. To run again, all those things, to program this thing to run, to take action, right? You really need what I call a, a polyglot-based workflow engine. What is a polyglot again? I may write in, your users may want to write in Java. You may write in JavaScript, Python, right? The world one choices. I, I've got to get the best with what you are can. Tomorrow, if I talk to somebody else, Tom, I'll get the best out of them. So these platforms should not be one-dimensional today. And so the world will change you. To create a new architecture, every business has to go look at inside and say, what can I do to offer my business services? Where can I leverage AI? Is it for my end users or my employees? Is it used to grow my business, scale my business, cut my costs down? Right? Is it to engage my users more, my customers more? But A is a fundamental aspect. It's not on the top. right? To your mm -hmm. point, if Microsoft already put 9 out of 14 features of AI, there's a reason. And Microsoft is a what, $2 trillion, $3 trillion company? They're almost like a nation state. They're mm -hmm. probably bigger than the top 10 countries in the world right now. <laughs> From a GDP, right? The, uh, so from that perspective, Microsoft is putting AI in just in contact center. That gives you a, a sense as to where the world is going, right? Um, and just other thing that you add, like if you remember, uh, on the just a side note to the previous question, look at Apple, uh, Ken, Siri. How many years did Siri took to get it correct, right? I mean, I've been using Siri. I mean, from day one, it took five years, six years. That's life. Did it answer everything perfectly? And day one, maybe, maybe not, right? But is it getting better? Absolutely. So this goes back to earlier question to you, like these technologies has to have a fundamental and you have to go all in. And when mm. you go all in, you don't stop the project and start the project. If some vendor doesn't work out, find some other vendor. Or maybe have multiple vendors to figure out. Do A-B testing. Do co-process. But you got to go all in, right? Look at what my uh, Apple does. They build their own chips. They buy the chips from Qualcomm. They buy the chips from NVIDIA, right? But mm -hmm. they are building their own. You got to be own. So some customers will say, hey, should I want to build my own um, company? Beautiful. Take a platform and build your own. But at the same time, also leverage what you got from the vendors out there. Compare your notes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to wake up. It's not like a hobby and say, I want to wake up and I want to do a hobby. And that's where today some of the customers and thinking is, a, hey, it's a, I want to do a two, three month project. I want to do it like a hobby. I want to test my work. No, don't put your fingers in the water. Just jump in. <laughs> right, jump into the pool, try to learn the swimming. Either you swim or we won't swim, but somebody will help you. Nobody will let you die in this. Nice, nice. That's a really good analogy. That don't dip your fingers in, just jump in. Um, so you touched on something there, which is really interesting around the architecture side of things. So a lot of businesses these days are attempting to get themselves a more flexible architecture. And a lot of projects that I have uh, I've worked on some, and I've also heard about a lot, which is that a company will begin their kind of AI journey and then hit a roadblock. And that roadblock will happen because there isn't sufficient integration into their business systems. There isn't sufficient access to data and all of those kind of things. And so a project needs to be paused in order for that work to happen. And many businesses are trying to get themselves into a situation where they have that flexible or more agile kind of architecture. And at the same time, what that looks like often is companies have that kind of modular approach. And you mentioned it there that you don't want to be trapped into one programming language or trapped into one database structure. You want to be able to have flexibility and have a modular approach. So you see companies like BBC, for example, where their uh, conversational AI capabilities are drawing in individual capability, capabilities and components from all sorts of places. So they might use Microsoft's NLU for some intents. They might actually bring in Google NLU at some point. They might use different types of speech recognition for different devices uh, and surfaces. And so there's lots of these components that can be brought together to assemble a conversational AI and AI architecture. 
or you can opt for a full suite like AI Sierra and other vendors and, and get the whole kind of package. So I suppose from your perspective, you must be always thinking about this whole concept of vendor lock-in because what you don't want to get into is a situation where somebody reaches the limits of AI Sierra and then begins to consider a different technology. You want to be in a position where you're growing with the company as a partner. So I'm wondering right. if you can shed some light in how you're thinking about the scalability, the extensibility, and, and the growth of AI Sierra in line with this changing company technology philosophy of having modular and component technology. A very good question, Ken. I love it. So first is, there are two parts or three parts to your questions. I'm going to pass it and try to answer. First is what I call is, um, if you want to use, like we did Isera, you can actually rent components. I'm offer a platform. So you can take my entire solution if you want to do it. For those people who do not want to build anything on Isera, you can do it. That's what I was saying. Or you can take our platform and build on top of our platform or next to my platform. Right. If you don't want to build. Right. Third thing is you may want to take only certain components from me. Like, for example, you may want only knowledge graph from me. You may only want my neural search. Right. We will expose everything as an API. They've already done that. Right. So many of my customers actually take you may not want to use it for my entire enchilada. You may want to buy only chips from me or you may want to buy salsa from me. I'll rent you whatever you want. Ken. I mean, I'm here to help you. Uh, I'm, I'm here to work with you to decide what the component that you need to bring your journey at this point in time. Because if you have something working there and you only need that, we will give you that. So that has been my philosophy day one for everything I do uh, over the last what, 20, 30 years that I've been there. So I give you a platform, I give you individual components, but also give you a fully packaged solution if you choose to take it from us. So you have a spectrum of solution. It's not one or either. And that's where I like to see it. And when you take this spectrum, it's to your point, it should be broken down by individual components. And those will be, you can look at conversation AI as a wholly one thing, or you might say, I only want conversation platform with only knowledge, guided flows, conversation flows. I do not want any NLP, NLU in that. Or I want intent phrases, NLU understanding. I want to rent only NLU from you. Or I may want your unsupervised machine from, from my knowledge articles. We also give you conversation automation. To your point, people talk about integration, etc. Uh, one thing that we did, yeah, very unique, that I think is, is you don't need really integrations. The reason to do integration is if you can't do write your platform, have a very good, what you call the a automation workflow platform. Something coming from ServiceNow, we did is we created what we call a conversational automation. Like you have a conversation AI. Conversation automation is to automate your workflows with a conversation engine. Because there are many automation players too. But to do automate, those things, I don't want you to write a connector to it. So I should be able to write any software because software is eating the world. As long as you can write in the software, I can talk to you. Assuming you have some kind of interfaces, some system interface, APIs, webhooks. So that's the beauty of what we have created is you and us can talk to each other. Even though your impedance and my impedance may not match, I can create the AI layer or the software layer to do that. So all these components we are providing for people to do it. I call them build. You can build your own solution using ICRA. Right? Maybe we should call it in the show, called Build AI, or common AI to build. <laughs> Let's come into that. Like, uh, bring your own conversation in a BYOD, like BYO, BYO AI or something like that. <laughs> bring your own AI, right? Uh, something, that, that's the concept I'm saying is bring your own AI to us, build it on top of us, next to us. That's absolutely possible. What ideally I also tell people is don't start from scratch. Right. It's like if I have to build my own cloud and I don't want to go rent from Amazon, Azure, or Google, that's a, I'm not being prudent. I'm not being a citizen of my company. That's something is what you don't want companies to do today. There's enough AI in the world. Don't start from scratch. Mm. You start from the base substrate. Which substrate you want to use is up to you. You may use cane substrate. You may use some other substrate, but start with some substrate. And then build what other unique components that you want to do, and buy other components also from other people. Look at how Nvidia started. It was like Nvidia was sitting next to Intel as a co-processor in the graphics world. Today they give you both GPU, CPU, and they'll give you uh, AI processors too. But mm. you don't have to start from day one saying I want to build my own processors. You don't wake up and doing that. Mm. I think that's something is you and your audience can help you. Your audiences come realize and look. Don't start from start from some substrate. Yeah. Then on top of substrate, next to substrate, rent components and build next to whatever you want to make a solution that fits your need. So then when you it's almost like when you buy a shirt or a cloth, you want to wear something that fits your needs. You want to customize it to your audience, to users. And that's where your customization will come in. 
but you don't wake up and say, I want to plant a cotton seed, I want to grow cotton, I want to fabric my I mean, By then you're done and you're not being a good decision for your company. Hmm. There's a really good model, um, which which is exactly what you've just explained. I'm sure you've seen it, which is the, great, the, the, the different um, types of technology and how you should buy or build. So you've got the kind of like first stage, which is the commodities, which is right. what you're getting at, which is, you know, databases, cloud storage, hosting. It's all commoditized, you know. Uh, then you've got the kind of like specific functionalities that have already been built that you don't need to rebuild, like a dialogue manager or, you know, from hearing you speak, your kind of like knowledge graph and stuff like that seems to fall into that category where it's already been built. You can just use it out the box. And then you've got these kind of like um, very specific company or industry specific things that no one's providing for which you would need to build. So, for example, if you have a very particular line of business system and there's no integrations to it, you can't just go and buy off off the shelf a, a piece of middleware that will just do it. That would be what you'd need to build. But the components that you can just buy off the shelf and combine that with commoditized kind of like, uh, you know, readily available services, and through that you can kind of stitch together your architecture. It sounds as though that's kind of what you're describing there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, you nailed it. Look, you can go build it. Now, let's compare both of them. Build versus buy. Always, when you try to build, you can't build this with four or five people or ten people. And that's other mistake also do it. If you really want to build, let's make sure that you have enough money to build today and also to maintain. You can't say I'll build with X number of people and then I'll put into a on a cold ice to continue. It's not going to happen. This requires care and fit. It's a software. You got to change it. Requirements will change constantly. So the most people, if you try to build, build versus buy is still 10 to 15x difference. So if you really want to build, let's make sure that you're building it and you have a good business case and ROI and you have enough dollars to build, right? So an average build today will still cost five to $10 million or even $20 million. If you do not have that much expense, don't bother building it. Right. Uh, you may have a need to customize it, but do you have that budget to it? Does do you really need to add that amount of customers to it? If not, take some off the shelf component. Right. The same reason. Look, today, there's a reason why the hyperscale vendors buy switches from Cisco and Juniper directly. If they think the Cisco switches is good enough, they'll buy it. If they really need to customize for certain workloads, you may do it. So you have to keep your optionality always open. Do I really need to buy today for the next two, three years or do I need to build and do, if I build it, to your point, am I going to build for next two, three years? Do I have budget for this year and next four years to come? Hmm. But that budget is not going to be, if buy versus build is usually at least 10 to 20x difference, minimum. Hmm. You're not, because by the time even you hire 10 employees, right? Even one employee cost can pay for the, most of the solution out there. <laughs> that is nothing, right? To build a good solution, you'll have 10, 20, 30 people. You need all, mm -hmm. like to your point, I need to understand dialogue manager. Who understands what a dialogue manager is, right? Who mm -hmm. understands what's a workflow engine? It's like, it's not easy to make and integrate those solutions, mm -hmm. right? Moment you start hiring those people, that's an expensive solution. But in this economy, now that people are so tight, look at the, look at, let's realize the market that we are in, the whole global economy is under turmoil. In this economy, usually bill is a wrong choice. Mm. You should not want to build it, right? You build when you have a lot of resources, you have a lot of empty resources, and you want to do something and money. Right now, build is pretty much out. Every CIO I talk to, every CFO, there's no building. If somebody's sitting there doing any special project, they're all being canned. Mm. Look at markets are on 70%. Are we entering a recession? Nobody knows. Is financial markets going to record to the same level? Nobody knows. Is the SaaS multiples come back to the same level? SaaS and cloud? Most people think it won't come back. So the party is over. So all these uh, private equity companies, the large vendors who put like 20, 30 billion dollars, their funds are down. They lost 20 billion already, 30 billion, right? That party is over at this point. So it's like mm -hmm. another reset that happened in 2008 or 2001. So at this point, if you really want to do a good solution to your companies, I always say don't build right now. This is a wrong time to build. You have mm -hmm. the flexibility to build, but not today, unless you have that much. Yeah. And there's no need to, you know, your companies like AI, Sarah, Sarah who've, who've built a lot already and it's it's all kind of good to go. Um, you mentioned something really interesting there, which is BYOAI. <laughs> is that what it was? BYOAI. BYOAI. Yeah. Bring your own AI. Yeah. Bring your own AI. 
That's a really interesting concept because it kind of ties into what uh, we've seen to be the kind of next phase of conversational AI in the enterprise. I know companies like Speakeasy have been doing this for, for some time. Uh, I know Corbus Krilling has been writing about this a little bit. We've had a lot of conversations about it, which is are some of these enterprises who you'll be working with as I mentioned, you've probably been to a customer who've got a current platform. It's maybe they've reached the limits of it and, and you're kind of being, uh, they're, they're using AIC in its place. Or you've probably also got clients who already have like a chat bot or something like that. And they want to introduce like a Teams bot or something like that. And so you may well have been brought in alongside other technologies within an organization. And lots of organizations are in that position where they've got investments in different technologies, a chat bot here, a voice assistant there, and, you know, they don't really want to scrap what they've done, but they do need to kind of level up and bring in some additional capabilities. And so I, I read that AI Sierra has uh, an orchestration layer. Uh, and uh, the way I read that, it, it makes me think of similar things, similar to like Speakeasy or like a OneReach where you have the ability to bring assistance and AI assistance from different vendors in different places and have AI Sierra almost front end those things. Am I understanding that right? I wonder if you can explain yeah, what no, you're referring to with that. orchestration. No, it's much beyond that. Uh, but good question, very good question. So when which I see the world, I'll describe to you, uh, Ken. So look, first of all, uh, to me, when I, remember I talked about universal bot yeah, and we do it by domain. Let's say I do a sales, finance, marketing. Tomorrow, if you have, to your earlier point of bill, if you have a better bot in certain domain, we don't mind integrating with your bot because remember, I am the universal orchestrator. I am the universal bot. From that perspective, we can talk to any third-party bot. That's no issue at all for us. And so that's what typically when people talk about uh, yeah, integrating in the common AI world. But when we talk about automation orchestration, I'm not talking about that. When I talk about automation and orchestration, I, that's why I use the word conversational automation. I actually want to be the workflow engine, orchestration engine to take actions. So when you call and say, my account is logged out, I have to unlock the account and send you the new link to your password. Or similarly, when you say, my, uh, I want refund, I have to genuinely see, do you really need to be refund, do all the analysis, and actually give you the money back. So there I'm not orchestra. I'm actually doing the performance orchestration. I have to talk to your Stripe, PayPal, look at your accounts, send the money back. So we are actually doing the whole orchestration ourselves in the automation world. Right, whether that is in insurance payment, financial industry, we have fintech companies who are saying, "Hey, I want to orchestrate moving my money from my money transfer from UK to I don't know India, UK to China, UK to Australia." Right, we will be able to do that. Right, so that's what I mean by the orchestration. Today, most calls in the company is still knowledge serving, FAQs done. That's also important. But the world that I see it is. Most average requests, it's actually the other way around. 70% of requests are requests, you have to do something. Hmm. Telling you, saying that here's an article, go do it, versus doing the job for you is where the AI should come in. So the hmm. AI should now go to AI plus automation, right? So in a way, we should say, bring your own AI plus automation. Maybe we call it <laughs> PY or AI AA or something that sounds like AAA or something. <laughs> nice. So, so you're talking really about customer journey orchestration. And the, the platform is, one, it's front-end in it, but it's also providing the the uh, cogs and engine inside to actually enact a process and deliver the actual end result of the service on, on the back end. That's right. And again, the reason I do this, Ken, is at the end of the day, every company should focus on your business, not worry about, I want to build it. I think that should come. First, you should do is when you wake up, what can I do to grow my business, scale my business, how can I eliminate unnecessary costs? How can I improve the experience to my users? How can I get my users and employees productive? If you focus on those, then you will decide what you want. That's, to me, as a business buyer, always look at the business requirement, the problem requirements, and see what you want. If your business requirement in your account requires only knowledge serving, just only do that. But if your business requires you to do both AI and automation, absolutely. Right, and if your requirement requires multiple domains, go for multiple domains or multiple languages. Right, you don't have to start everything on day one. Start small. Remember, when I make a bet, you may want to start. I want to only do English in one domain. The domain could be sales. I want to do best sales conversational bot, or I want to do only marketing. Pick one domain, right, one language, 
And do only if you think that it's only knowledge serving, just answer the FAQs and knowledge serving. I'll do the automation piece, right? Start, I'm giving back to your point, I'm giving you the multiple touch points of how you want to engage with me. Choice will be yours. But start one area, grow. And along the way, if you want to build, absolutely. You have the platform and API to build on top of us or next to us. Mm, nice. <clears throat> I touched on earlier on, uh, we both touched on earlier on, how some companies don't have the infrastructure to be able to enable some of these automation processes, don't have systems with API access and, and those kind of things. Maybe they don't have data in a, in a good shape and stuff like that. So a lot of this kind of needs to be in place to enable some of this automation. However, there is other ways of doing it with things like RPA and stuff like that. I wonder where you stand on robotic process automation and whether that's something that you kind of consider and, and your, your thoughts on it generally. We do. We actually, when I say common automation, RPA is part of that. To me, RPA is a small piece of the overall automation, right? Robotic process automation fits into the overall automation bucket. So the way in which I see the world is automation is a much bigger umbrella. Underneath, I could do RPAs, I can do run books, I could do uh, orchestration engines. So to me, robotic process, greenscaping, running process automation, all of that comes under overall automation game. So mm -hmm. today we will do our automation or tomorrow you want to integrate with my partners like UiPath, Automation Anywhere, happy to integrate with them too. Or even ServiceNow, right? And again, when you integrate with this, when this thing, right, you already have existing process, et cetera, use them. You don't have to mm -hmm. leverage, you don't have to modify them, you don't need to throw away. Keep what you have that's working. Use ISRA next to any of those. That's how I see the world. Mm. Nice. That's a very mature way of looking at it as, and and setting up in a way that is i suppose it's a non-threatening and complementary way of approaching things which is that if an organization has nothing then they can take the whole thing if an organization has lots of stuff going on but they have a very specific problem then you can almost fit in a little bit like it's almost like to use the kind of uh, bruce lee analogy of water water takes the shape of the glass and water kind of finds a way through the cracks to fill the gaps and stuff like that. It almost seems as though that's the kind of strategy. It's like if you look at a business from front to back, there is gaps in here where sophisticated organizations need to fill. And therefore, AICRA sounds as from what you're describing in one go-to-market is the, the water that can come in and, and fit wherever it needs to fit in order to enable a process, sitting alongside RPA and all that kind of stuff, well, UiPath and that where it needs to. But at the same time, if you want to fill the whole glass, you can do and you can take the whole platform and that's that's that kind of thing. A very sophisticated way of approaching approaching the market. You're absolutely right, Ken. You, you described beautifully. That's exactly it. I, I, I wish I used that analogy of water, but I used to talk myself in the past. I'm like an amoeba. I mean, amenable to whatever shape and form you want me to take it. Right? <laughs> uh, I'm the single cell amoeba. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a startup company. My job is to cater to customer needs. So we give you optionality at every shape and form. Whatever you don't want, we want to remove that. But I, my goal is to, as you said, the water analogy is the best way to describe it. So beautiful. Mm. Nice, nice. And that's really good, that. Uh, the, the two final things that, that I was wanting to kind of touch on is that I've seen on the website you've got a number of good customers, high-profile customers. You mentioned Zoom already. Zoom is down on the website as being a customer. McAfee, a very large company, uh, you know, as well. I don't know what the situation is with uh, 8x8 as well, actually, which I found surprising. Uh, I wonder if you can shed some light on – the reason why I found that surprising is because I thought 8x8 would be – investing in their, old tech, in their own technology like Genesis and 5.9 and stuff like that. Uh, but I just wonder whether you might be able to shed any examples of what these companies are using AIC for, whether that's, uh, I don't know if that's part of your NDAs or whatever it might be, but uh, yeah, any, any examples of how it's being used in those companies would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, most of uh, my customers' examples, which are, is, are already publicly available, we put it on web page to write case study-wise. So look, uh, mo uh, even if you start with companies like you mentioned it, uh, start with McAfee. McAfee is using for consumer business. They're using it for enterprise business. They're using it for, I, I call it like front office, customer facing side. They're also using for back office, right? They're trying to use for all the businesses. So uh, McAfee has what, hundreds of millions of users. Uh, it could be a teenager to a senior citizen asking questions about their cybersecurity and their issues with their antivirus not working on their device, it's a, on their iPhone, their workstation, right? So all of that, uh, we have to handle it. So all the use case will be pretty much all the things that we discussed uh, in McAfee. And we did record, I mean, the amount of saving we save them per year is millions of dollars, 
Uh, they've been with us for multi years, so it's a great customer for us. They taught us a lot. We learned a lot through that process. Uh, same thing with Zoom. Zoom uses for both front office, back office, customer service, support, uh, IT, right? Uh, many use cases. Uh, we learned a lot. I mean, Zoom is the poster child of the this industry. Uh, through COVID, they are the one of the best IPOs of 2020, right? Uh, they define what the user experience is. They define the word X in the call it CX, UX, EX, EAX, right? Uh, they are the X. They are the experience, right? Uh, my day starts with Zoom. My day ends with Zoom, right? Uh, I'm a, I love Zoom. What they have done for the industry, right? So we are having somebody like that helping them in across all the things, right? An example of the thing I talk about: the universal bot, multiple domains, everything. So, right, high scale volume, right? The amount of volume of requests and all those things for, right? So I like that. Uh, see, and then you talked about even vendors like Eight by Eight. Eight by Eight is a great company for in the UK space. We've been with them for years. Right, trying to help them, and they may want to build their own. This is an example of where a customer, a partner can build their own. I want to give you that optionality. To your point, look, at any point you say, look, I want to build something more, I want to do X, Y, Z. I will sit with you. I'm the water for 8 by right? Um, whether the water is sparkling water or plain water, I don't mind. I'm so <laughs> water. I'm here to serve your needs, right? Uh, uh, same thing, like we have many customers like that. We have then Chug. Chug is a very large company. They're using us for multiple domains. Right for HR requests, IT customer service. Right, um, so I think then Grant Thornton is another one. It's an auditing company. Right, it's a um, uh, world's I don't know top number four, number three auditing company. They request as employees, people asking about taxes, audits, everything. Right, so my job is again cater to different industries. I'm not locked into one vertical. Right. As a startup, my job is to figure out where all can I help and where and the, grow the company and at the same time build a product, right? Mm. It's a journey. We're only four and a half years into the company. Uh, I've got X more years to go, five, 10 years to go. I said, this, this AI industry is going to be under 20, 30 years. We are just like first round of the boxing match. <laughs> and to your point, if there's so many vendors, because there's really a problem to solve. If there's not too many people are there, then problem is not to be solved, right? Mm. Nice. Nice. Perfect. That was a perfect thing to end on. We're in round one. Ding, ding. Let's go. <laughs> Fantastic. Muru, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I'll put the links in here in the show notes, AISERA.com. For those of you listening on the podcast, it is A-I-S-E-R-A.com. And uh, Siddharth just put a, a link in there as well in the show notes, which is AISERA.com forward slash customers. If you want to have a, a bit more of an in-depth look at some of the things we've just been talking about there uh, with uh, with Zoom uh, and and coffee and, and those kind of things so do check those out also go to voice summit.ai forward slash agenda if you want to find out about what's going on in october it's arlington with vux at voice 22 uh, a full day of contact center automation strategy design insights technology the whole nine yards everything you need to automate your contact center and if you haven't subscribed already you've heard muru in this conversation so far being very uh, you know I'm going to chop some of that out actually and stick that in some of our marketing material I think so you've had some very kind words to say about us uh, so vux.world forward slash subscribe if you want to get emailed about all of these interviews we do with uh, excellent minds like Mudu and uh, and lots of others as well uh, Mudu it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much uh, for joining us I've learned a hell of a lot as I said AI Sierra sounds like the water that is molding to the organization, whatever their needs are, being able to fit into the right place, taking the shape that it needs to. But at the same time, if you want to buy a glass full, then you can do that as well. And so I think it's a, you know, I love, love the strategy, love the way you've been talking about it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to spend the last hour with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, King. You bring the best out of me. So thanks for asking me all these questions and making this. I'm a big fan of your show and what you do for the audience. We need you to keep doing this every day. All Thank the you. Best. Thank, Thank you. you.